Aloha and welcome to this special edition of Conversations to Enlighten and Heal. In this special series of conversations, we will be journeying with renowned author and teacher Nikki Scully into the shamanic mysteries of ancient Egypt. Conversations is sponsored by HealthMasterySystems.com, holistic products for body, mind, and soul, and PurePlantEssentials.com, organic aromatherapy. Please visit these websites today. Be sure to visit the iTunes store and subscribe for the complete lineup of shows on Conversations to enlighten and heal. Nikki Scully has been teaching healing, shamanic arts, and the Egyptian mysteries since 1983. In the late 1980s, Nikki founded Shamanic Journeys and is internationally recognized as the foremost leader and guide for spiritual pilgrimages to Egypt. Nikki is the author of the Anubis Oracle, A Journey into Shamanic Mysteries of Egypt, book and card deck, and co-author of Shamanic Mysteries of Egypt, Awakening the Healing Power of the Heart. Nikki's audio course, Becoming an Oracle, has just been released by Sounds True. To learn more and register for our, our upcoming shamanic tour in Egypt, led by Nikki Scully, this November 6-21, 2009, please visit shamanicjourneys.com. That's shamanicjourneys.com. Or call one 800-937-2991. That's 1-800-937-2991. Today, Nikki will be continuing our journey, our journey into the mysteries of Egypt and telling us the story of Isis and Osiris, part two. Please welcome to the show my very special guest, Nikki Scully. Welcome to the show, Nikki. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, KG. Well, could you give us a quick quick recap of the story of Isis and Osiris that we've uh, journeyed on so far? Um, In our last conversation, I spoke of uh, Newt and Jeb and Newt's pregnancy and um, how Isis and Osiris ruled uh, in an enlightened rulership during the first times and how... um, their brothers set murdered um, Osiris and how Isis grieved and finally found her way to where uh, his body and his um, sarcophagus were entombed in a tree that was used as a pillar for the palace of the king and queen of Byblos how Isis was finally revealed and returned with the coffin of and her husband back to Egypt. And mm-hmm. that's where we begin today's part of oh, uh, the story of Isis and Osiris. Yes. So uh, when Isis returned to Egypt... She hid herself and the coffin with her dead husband in the reeds. Uh, I believe it was it was either near the temple of Isis at Philae or near Abydos. Mm-hmm. I'm just confused as to which uh, place this happened. I think that. It was in the south, and Isis was trying to work her magic to raise her dead husband. Mm -hmm. And these are the tantric mysteries, 
the sexual mysteries of Egypt mm -hmm. and the story of the divine um, conception and birth mm -hmm. of Horus. And what happened was that Isis's love was so great. Mm -hmm. And because she was a student of Thoth and a magician in her own right, this was actually, I imagine, a great part of her training and growing into herself. By her tremendous love mm -hmm. and her following the guidance of Thoth, she was able to perform the ritual to transform herself into a kite, Mm -hmm. to raise her dead husband to an almost awake state, mm -hmm. a state um, close enough that she was able to, as that kite, um, receive his seed. Mm -hmm. And there are amazing images in Egypt of this process. There's actually a sanctuary in Abydos that has the clearest image of the of the ritual itself mm -hmm. with um, Osiris on his beer and his raised phallus and Isis as the kite mm -hmm. hovering above him and Thoth beneath you know uh, where it's explained you mm -hmm. know giving her the words of power and the ritual and um, so Isis became pregnant and mm. this is very much the Christian story of the divine birth of Jesus mm -hmm. it was the previous iteration um, where divine birth was uh, explained and first accepted mm -hmm. and while while Isis was carrying Horus in her belly while she was pregnant, she kept herself hidden and very close to the coffin. Mm -hmm. um, but one day she was, while um, Set was out hunting, he came across the coffin and he was enraged mm. that Osiris uh, was appearing to come back to life. Mm -hmm. And so the second time that he murdered him, he chopped him into 14 pieces. He mm -hmm. dismembered him and threw all of his parts, scattered them about Egypt. Some say he threw them in the river and all except the uh, phallus itself mm -hmm. made their way to land. So then now, as I, as I recall the story, it of course makes sense that this happened in the very south because the river runs north. Mm -hmm. Then when Isis discovered that her husband was murdered again, she and her sister Nephthys and um, Anubis 
Nephthys and Osiris' son that uh, Isis raised <coughs> together went in search of the missing parts of Osiris. Mm-hmm. And everywhere throughout Egypt that they found a part, they would build a temple. But mm-hmm. they would also, it was a way of remembering Isis and gathering him together so that he could uh, become whole again and receive the proper rights so that uh, he could take his place as ruler of the underworld. Mm-hmm. And those rights, those rights of embalming of the... of. Osiris, when he was brought together, were done by Anubis, who is known henceforth as the great embalmer, mm-hmm. the divine embalmer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's one direction that that story can so go. So we in. visit all of these temples, right? Uh, we visit many of these temples yes. in our journey. Mm-hmm. And that is part of what we're actually doing when we go to Egypt. We are going from temple to temple to gather the fragmented and scattered parts of ourselves yes. so that we can become whole again. Mm-hmm. Sort of like it, the soul's journey of remembering. Definitely the soul's journey of remembering. It's also, in some senses, it's like one long extended soul retrieval because mm. in the Which act... Is so necessary. Oh, yes. We've all... And, and the traumas that we've had in this life are only part of it because uh, our soul's journey is so much longer and this work reaches into our soul's memory. Mm-hmm. And so that map was laid for us initially by Isis herself oh. in her and she's uh, a weaver. journey. Isn't she a weaver? Uh, yes, she taught weaving. Yeah. Of course she yeah. taught weaving. So this is a weaving. This whole thing is a weaving. Well, the some look, I certainly look at life as a tapestry mm-hmm. and being this as, a, as this multi-dimensional tapestry where all the threads, not only of our life, but all our situation and every one that we touch are woven together mm-hmm. to create this... Uh, and the power of love that Isis represents. Well, Isis most certainly represents the power of love. And this, the part of the myth of her... Um, divine conception of Horus Mm -hmm. is a demonstration of the power of Isis's love. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thread of the myth that can be followed in certainly much greater detail than I have time to present it here. But the other part is bringing uh, Horus to term and giving birth to him and raising him Mm -hmm. to avenge the death of his father and that is in a sense Horus is all of our stories Mm -hmm. just like we are yearning to awaken as Osiris uh, catalyzed by the love of Isis 
also growing from the innocent uh, newborn into the enlightened high initiate that is Horus. Mm -hmm. All of the pharaohs were named Horus. Mm -hmm. They all... um, The divine enlightened ruler. Right, and Mm -hmm. they all were said to have come from divine birth. Mm -hmm. And so today, how that relates to us today is that we can no longer uh, be followers of charismatic leaders. Mm -hmm. We each have to step up to the plate of authenticity Mm -hmm. and own ourselves as divine beings. Mm -hmm. Become our anointed one. Become our anointed one. Become the initiate. Become Mm -hmm. our own pharaoh. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the rights are available to learn these things mm-hmm. and our walk in life if we pay attention yes. and even comprehend the concept. It's the backstory that's always happening. Right, it's and it awareness. will carry us to mm-hmm. our own enlightenment. I mean, the, there are many great teachers around that it's not that they have shortcuts, but that they have maps that can... Yes. Uh, facilitate the journey. They've already covered the territory. They've covered the territory. And that's, in essence, what we're doing in Egypt because Mm -hmm. Egypt had the capacity, had the knowledge and inscribed that knowledge and created vortices and doorways through which we can commune directly mm-hmm. with that pantheon and the divinity that that represents mm-hmm. and in so doing forge our own direct channel mm-hmm. without any and deepen into that. the mystery of our own being yes there is no end to our becoming mm-hmm. and uh, the road through the mysteries of Egypt, that particular path working is actually quite a deep and joyful experience mm-hmm. toward our own becoming. Mm-hmm. And so what happened with Horace as he grew up, he um, he became he went through different phases in his becoming. And those phases are all shown in his journey. In fact, at the Temple of Edfu, which is Horus's temple, mm-hmm. uh, my Egyptologist Emil likes to talk about how that the first novel ever written was written on the walls of that temple mm-hmm. because they the story of his coming into his own of not slaying set because there would be no victory in that mm-hmm. but in owning and learning to um, have dominion over your own emotions and uh, being connected to that highest part of yourself is really what that journey is all about mm-hmm. that's actually what the word jihad in its most sacred context mm-hmm. means that's that 
struggle, the sacred struggle that we all have within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the battle that is said to have raged between Set and Horus um, was supposed to have lasted some 80 divine years. Now, I don't know how long that Mm -hmm. is. Some Mm -hmm. say the struggle is still ongoing. But there was... There were and the many, wor- it's a worthy struggle. It's a worthy struggle, but when you look at the way it went down, you can see the different stages of Horace's maturity and development. Yes. Yes. You can see when he was hot-headed mm-hmm. and impetuous, and mm-hmm. we can't have an How impetuous How he responded ruler. to the struggle that was going on. Well, just the way that the struggle went down. So in that time, for example, there was the time when he had set, um, pinned and bound and was ready to strike him with his harpoon. Mm -hmm. And at that point, Isis, you know, realized that, that there could be no winners make a mm-hmm. choice between her brother and her son mm-hmm. even though her brother murdered her husband mm-hmm. and so she cut bonds mm-hmm. and freed Seth mm-hmm. well Horace was furious and in his rage he cut off the head of his mother wow wow well when those things happen then it's thought who is called in to mediate the situation. In so he was saying, you know, he was really uh, questioning her wisdom, <laughs> you might say, by, by that act. You know what I'm saying? He was, well, that's what I was, take it when he does that. He was responding from an emotional place. Mm-hmm. So Thoth had to go and find a new head for Isis. Mm-hmm. And when Isis received her new head, Mm -hmm. she went down to the river to look at her reflection. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there she saw herself with the head of Hathor wearing the water buffalo horns Mm -hmm. and said, Oh, now I have become my mother. So everyone is maturing. Yes. Not only are we growing and maturing in our earth walk, but the deities are growing and maturing too. And yeah. some of that is recorded, as is the life of Horus. Yeah. And there were other very important points during this uh, battle. Mm-hmm. For example, there was a point at which, during which, um, Set gouged out the eye of Horus, mm-hmm. and of course, once again, Thoth had to come and replace mm-hmm. that eye. Mm-hmm. And it was in that replacement was the measure of the maturity and growth, because the new eye was the uh, eye of Horus mm-hmm. that allowed him to see in a new way and there's I can't uh, give all the details in this story right now 
but you can look up that the eye of Horus and see how it breaks down mathematically and how it ultimately was the eye, the way it's designed, that was the original RX that is the prescription, the symbol of prescriptions for healing even in this culture. Wow. That RX wow. came from the eye of Horus. So that's a little trip that people who are interested can uh, research on the web and, and mm-hmm. uh, find out about. And I mean that the Isis and Osiris myth is rich. It is in so rich. All these incredible stories. It is so rich. Only a few of which I can cover here. Yeah. I'd like to close with the story of how the battle ended. Okay. Because it went on for so long that the Pantheon became, um, you know, it was a, they they came to a place where enough is, is enough. So they called a council, a council to pronounce a victor. Mm-hmm. Um, and Set agreed to come, providing Isis was not allowed to be there because she had so much invested in it and because he was intimidated for good reason by her magic. Mm -hmm. And so it was finally agreed. The power of love to transform. (laughs) So they they called this council and the ferryman was instructed by Set not to let any women come across because he knew how tricky Isis was. And um, so... They were having their council, and the ferryman was being very strict in his instruction. Well, this old hag of a lady came and convinced the ferryman to take her across. I mean, and she was so obviously no threat to anybody, and she had a good story. And so he let her cross, and she went in her disguise right up to Set and said, Uncle, I need your advice. Um, my husband was murdered and is, or, or my husband was deceased. I can't remember exactly how she put it. And there is a, um, uh, a discussion, um, Oh God, my words are leaving me. There, um, his will is being contested. Um, the the claim for his inheritance is being contested, and she basically told her own story in such a way as that he didn't recognize it, and oh. and he said, "Oh, my lady, you know, don't be concerned. Of course." your your um, son should, or maybe it was grandson, should receive his inheritance. It is his true right. And at that point, Isis revealed herself oh. and said, well, you have just um, conveyed your own sentence. Wow. You know. and Tricky in, indeed, boy. <laughs> and in that way, the council, of course, had to declare Horus as the victor and the battle ended but you have to understand that you 
there this creation would not be able to sustain itself if either killed the other. I mean, we mm-hmm. need both Horus and Set. We may think of Set as evil, but Set is a part of us. Mm-hmm. And we cannot deny him. And so they found a function for him mm-hmm. in, in similar ways as, as say, the, the Tibetans do for their hungry ghosts. Mm-hmm. So it's not that, you know, we can do away with the set part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have to embrace it, and we have to embrace it with love. Yeah. And only in that way can it be transformed. Mm-hmm. And we have so to that remember... that we come into a relationship that's that correct. aspect of ourselves. And Set was initially honored as a very powerful god of the desert, of storms, and of chaos. I mean, he has mm-hmm. a place in this pantheon yeah. that's undeniable. Yes. And a place in our own nature. Yes. We just have to come to grips with it in, yes. with full recognition that yes. we can't get rid of it. Yes. That doesn't work. Well, it's it's for me. That represents the shadow. Ah, uh, yes, but he's also, as in uh, shamanic mysteries of Egypt and the Anubis Oracle, he is our um, adversary, our divine adversary, mm-hmm. our uh, the like your our noble adversarial adversary ally. In, the Tibetan, in the Tibetan Buddhism, the noble or in Buddhism, the noble one's noble adversary. And and ally ultimately, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so um, the Isis and Osiris myth. Once again, I, I you know, I, I would invite your your readers to um, look deeper into it because there's so many nuances and subtleties that I couldn't convey here. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you my favorite place for exploring the myths of Egypt, it would be Feasts of Light by Normandy Ellis mm-hmm. because she brings them alive in her festival calendar where she not only tells the myths but how the people celebrated them. And it, it it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. She also, um, her story, she's an award-winning writer. She's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly an in- initiated priestess. She's part of my Thoth lineage. Mm-hmm. And she actually reads hieroglyphs. Wow. So... Um, she wrote the the most cohesive story is in Gene Houston's book the the passion of Isis and Osiris mm-hmm. and in that is um, the story t- as told by Normandy Ellis who is my favorite storyteller of Egypt yeah so um, I think that's probably complete what we need to say about the story of Isis and Osiris and let people have some fun digging deeper. Okay. All right. 
Well, to learn more and register for our upcoming shamanic tour in Egypt, led by Nikki Scully, this November 6 to 21, 2009, please visit shamanicjourneys.com. That's shamanicjourneys.com, or call 1-800-937-2991. That's 1-800-937-2991. Have a beautiful day, everyone. A warm mahalo. Thanks for joining us. See you in two weeks when we'll be journeying further into the shamanic mysteries of ancient Egypt. I'd love to hear more about uh, the uh, Sobek and Horus myself. And Excellent. Yes. So uh, thanks again, Nikki. It's been a pleasure as always. We invite you to join us on Facebook, uh, Nikki Scully and KG Styles. So we invite you to join our circle of friends on Facebook. So uh, thanks again, and thank you, Nikki. Thank you.